Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are my friends Vince and Zach, and we are here to talk about two comics that come out on February twenty seventh, twenty twenty four, starting with Green Arrow number nine, written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by uh, Sean Izakasi, and uh, Zach. You were the one who who first flipped through this and said we need to read this comic. Uh, I don't disagree yeah. with you <laughs> based on the, some of the stuff in here. Uh, but I do want to start with you because I, I think all of us have had, you know, somewhat mixed feelings on the the general like Dawn of DC era. But we all sort of liked the beginning of this book when we started reading it. We thought it was doing some fun stuff. We are now solidly in the back half of this title. I'm curious if if just overall you're still enjoying green arrow or if the bloom is off this rose for you oh yeah not at all i <laughs> it, it has nothing for me <laughs> <laughs> fair enough why i just like well i mean i haven't been keeping up with it so i've totally lost the thread in terms of what's going on in this book this is the beginning of a new arc so you you know can assume it's a jumping on point uh but i do not like where it's jumping on to <laughs> I will say that. Fair. Very fair. Uh, Vince, what did you think of this in broad strokes before we get to some of the, the, the meteor stuff? Uh, I really like the art. I really like Sean. It, it, is Oxy probably? I don't, probably, I don't know. Yeah. Um, really like that art. I think it carries this book um not enough that i'm gonna be uh reading it month to month but it made it made this easier to read i think um because like zach the story's got no, nothing for me you know um sorry i don't care about cw stuff enough to like care that diggle is back yeah that that's um, why i'm disappointed in zach really um and you know everyone knows how i feel about the overarching uh waller trying to take over the u.s government or whatever story um and again i i think there's something you could do with that that's interesting but it's such a slow burn and it's so um it's it's it goes it almost goes out of its way to not make a political point or have a stance or or ha or even it's trying to do um it's trying to do like uh it's trying to prop up some kind of like um rogue state or like police state or something without without doing anything that could remotely be considered uh controversial or or prescient or anything you know right <laughs> um it's it's the most cartoon milk toast version of that imaginable um and then to, to top it all off it the final page twist it's hilarious. I got to hand it to Zach that, uh, you know, he, he cackled when he saw it and it's why he wanted us to read this and he was right, but I'm not interested in it. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I I will voice a slight disagreement on one point, but more or less what you guys said is, is spot on. Here here are the things that are good about this comic, in in my humble opinion. Number one, I think that the art is very good, as you said, Vincey. It's uh, it is it, it goes down smooth. It is not particularly uh, like I feel like sometimes when we get peacemaker in in specific but characters in general we just get everybody's take on what the current actor doing the character looks like and this is not excessively john cena therefore it gets an extra like half a letter grade in my book <laughs> um but in general i think that his work is 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 more than crumpulent it's good um and i I never once felt like the book was dragging. I think that Williamson does a good job sort of keeping this moving. I'll also say, you know, I'm a sucker for Arrow family stories. I like the fact that we're getting more of these characters around. I, I do not give a shit about the Diggle from comics. The Diggle from comics and the Diggle from the TV show are vastly different. And even if they were, who cares at this point, right? Like it's a long way from Arrow being relevant in any way. Um, but, you know, it's fine. I like when these things are sort of revisited because it just it just reminds you how weird comics are and that sometimes characters do cross over from TV into comics, even like in name only. And it's yeah. also funny because Diggle was named after comic writer Andy Diggle. And <laughs> uh, you just you sometimes you forget that. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot that was a thing. And it's just again, it, it's the silliness of it is fine by me. The one point I will disagree with here is, and and I think once I make my piece about this, you will both agree with me, maybe. I actually like that they're fucking around with Sanctuary because, and this is a big because, there are, there are so many instances that we can all think of of shitty status quos, of things that were changed um that people don't like that the way that comics choose to deal with that is just to never talk about it again just to we forget this thing ever happened it's uh armin tanzarian just like you know we just, <laughs> we just say we're never going to talk about this again and we just agree we're never going to talk about it again mm. and while i understand the impulse to do that with sanctuary i also think that like there's no reason that People every couple of years can't take a stab at making Sanctuary make sense or doing better stuff with it because that's that's where this, the juice is with comics. Like, I love that the Grant Morrisons of the world look at, like, these old silver and golden age comics, pull out the dumbest stuff, and then make it work. I love that, and that's, that, and that's so fun. That's something that really only comics can do although I, I will say that i've even seen in the last couple of years hollywood sort of take a cue from this and have franchises bring up like dumb things in in their in their past and try to rehabilitate them on, on the screen so I, I i love that shit i think that's fun and so if williamson thinks that he has a way to make sanctuary make sense i'm all for him trying it out because it's it, it's not this this sacred cow that you're slaughtering. Like no one gives a shit about it. I would much rather 
somebody say, you know, I think we can make Sanctuary interesting and have it make sense. I will take that 100 times out of 100 than to have someone say, hey, I think I have a really good Jack Knight story. I should do that. Like, no, fucking leave Jack Knight alone. Let let the good thing stay a good thing. If it's bad, go for it. My dad used to always say, why do they only remake good movies? You should remake bad movies. No one, Good movies already exist. There's no reason to mm-hmm. remake The Manchurian Candidate. Make Remake a shitty movie, right? So. Oh. Not to not to hijack this thought, but I, you know, as long as you said it, just today I saw that they announced a, or at least my my first hearing about it, an Amadeus TV show. I saw that based, based on the movie. Oh Lord, I, I took your favorite movie Save too, me. isn't it? It's it is. Yes, yeah. yes. If I had to pick a favorite, that's it. Yeah. So like, so again, like if you're, I have no problem with them trying to do. A, a sanctuary story go for it fine by me um and it's so absurd it might actually be interesting it won't be good but it might be interesting because it's just it's just so weird and absurd um that's all i really got on this story i i think that the idea of ollie working for waller is the type of thing that is almost a like stoned idea like who would be the least likely superhero to work for amanda waller uh green arrow that's why we have to do the story man like it just it's just a it's just a dumb idea that clearly isn't really going to work but we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna believe it for a little while and then it's gonna turn out that no they were you know ollie was undercover the whole time or whatever it is we can all see how this is going to end but if, if they want to spend some time with this, fine, whatever. Yeah, um, I think I, I think I agree with your point. And the only thing I have to add is kind of what I already said, which is that I'm just not interested in that. Sure. But, and, and that's valid. But I think, yeah. And I think I think your point makes perfect sense, though. And I think you're right in, in general about that. I I will say the only thing I'm interested in. You know what it is. Um. Sanctuary, peace wrecker. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it is because you're gonna read all the Tom King stuff. That's right. Yeah, I'm going to. Yeah, man, you're such a sicko. I Please made I made Zach. a spreadsheet. I made a spreadsheet today. Did you really no, know don't, what's happening? Don't tell me that. Come oh, on, no. <laughs> this you. I just had a listeners... big plate of dinga magoo. Don't make me don't make me fucking vomit everywhere. <laughs> oh, Tony, come on, uh, <laughs> listeners. You should have heard the things that Zach was saying maybe, what, six, eight <laughs> months ago about about being on this show. It, it'd make <laughs> you cry. We had to edit out of her show. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. I've never I've never heard him speak like that. Now, now this. Now he's telling us that he's filling out a Tom King Excel file. I who where am I? Who am I? Is this real? This, this is, is not my beautiful life. house. This is not, man. Oh, there's water at the bottom of the ocean. Carries the water under the water. Yeah, remove yeah, the right. water. Yeah, yeah. Pa- Patreon listeners, watch this space, man. <laughs> and if 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 this has you so morbidly curious that you have to uh, become a patron, you can do that at dc3cast.com. Watch, watch him just like rake in a bunch of money from Tom King freaks for us. Like, 
all of a sudden our we we get we shoot up like hundreds of dollars a month. Hey. Go for it, Zach. I, I'm not doing this, but go for it. Um I, I would do it. I really don't think I would. No, I won't. No. But I just current. had to land. I had to land somewhere in between you two. <laughs> Understood. Uh, any other thoughts on Green Arrow? No, I don't think so. This is a cursed timeline. The world we, the one we live in. All right. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's a shame. Well, I, I, sorry, I feel like I have to respond to that. <laughs> sure, sure, go for it. It's it's just a shame how quickly like we we were excited about kind of about like where the status quo was going for everything DC kind yeah. of and and it's kind of a bummer how quickly that faded for us and I I think part of it is just how long it feels like it takes to get to anything these days I, I don't know yeah maybe it was maybe it was always like this and we're just getting old and 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 cynical but it certainly doesn't doesn't feel like it was always this way well i mean we've we've been talking about like this is this is like a overarching dc universe direction thing but we've been talking about how maybe something is about to happen since the end of death metal yeah yeah. And like technically things have happened, a lot of things have happened, but none of it is interesting or matters. Here here's my issue. This is this is my issue. <laughs> and I hope I'm able to explain this in a way that makes sense. We've known kind of since before this started that it was all going towards Brainiac stuff, right? We pretty much knew that right away. Well, I, I sort of, but I don't even, I don't think that's the overarching thing. Like, I don't think Williamson is, well, Williamson is doing, I I don't feel like the Brainiac stuff intersects with any of this, like, Waller stuff. Well, that's I, the problem. I agree, yeah. Yeah, I agree, and that's the problem, and that's kind of where I'm going. Like, okay. Like, but what I'm saying is, like, remember when the Donna DC teaser came out? Yeah, and, and there, there was, and like there a, were Brainiac tentacles, yeah. and 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 so we knew so, and comic companies are a lot more frank about saying like we have a one year plan or we have a two year plan right like they are outright telling you that these days right so like in my mind i see that teaser and i go okay we've got a brainiac thing it happens in a year from now let's say roughly Certainly teasers of things that aren't going to show up for six months or a year have been a thing in comics since the eighties, if not late seventies. Um, however, I feel like um, the stuff that's along the way, and I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I agree with you guys. When you say this Waller stuff that's around the along the way doesn't feel connected to that at all. And so you have this illusion, you have an illusion of a narrative that's um, kind of overarching and all encompassing. And yet it doesn't, 
feel like that. It feels very disconnected to me. And the thing that I always say is that I want, I want the, the universe to feel like a universe all going in the same direction. And I've been faked out so many times over the last several years with that promise. And it, it feels like now there's a template and the template is disappointing to me. It feels like the same thing is happening every time where like, there's a big event, it's on the horizon, we're going to tease it out forever. And there's going to be all these little mini events along the way. But they're, we are not going to remember Beast World in a month. You know, this Waller stuff, it's running through everything. Does it intersect with the Brainiac stuff? Maybe, but also like, I because of the way things have been going, I don't trust that when the Waller stuff does meet the Brainiac stuff, it's not in the most rote, boring, nothing to say way possible. Like all of the Waller stuff has been all along the way. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, to me, the the illusion of cohesion is there and it, it makes me excited. And then when you actually read it happening, it doesn't feel like that at all. It feels it feels very haphazard to me. So as you're saying all this, I, I was I was not disagreeing, but I'm thinking that's not why I'm disappointed right now. And, I, and I've, I've been trying to sit here and put put into words i why i feel disappointed and i, I think i have a, an idea here which is so obviously dc has always had a lot of events and i don't think we're getting more events than we were getting 10 or 20 years ago i think the difference is that because everything is presented as the most important event in comics history now our expectations are unmeetable and because DC is ramping those up, everyone feels like a disappointment. Like, for instance, when Infinite Crisis happened, it was the first event since Zero Hour to feel that all-encompassing. And enough stuff happened at the end of Infinite Crisis that the line really was reflective of that event for the next at least two years, I would argue. There was still ripples from Infinite Crisis happening. Final Crisis... The biggest thing that happened in Final Crisis is the Batman thing, right? And But that was reflected for over a year afterwards. What was the impact of Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths? Really? Um, the Justice League broke up. I guess is like the biggest thing. I guess so. The, just, the Justice League but broke up. you really up don't and feel they... that. No, you don't. Yeah, that's that's because... my point, though. Yeah. Because they're all still around. They're all helping out when they need to. Like they're showing right. up in one another's books. The only thing that's not happening is they're not a team that has a title that's ongoing right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know. So it, I just to put a, a pin in my point here. It just it just feels like there is a there is an under. There's an under-delivering of consequences. And because of that, we go into every event already cynical about it. And when those uh -huh. consequences don't come out of it, we continue to feel the same way. We just feel like, you know, oh, well, uh, of course nothing happened here. Nothing's happened in the last five events. There really yeah. hasn't been an event 
that has truly shaken everything up since Flashpoint. And Flashpoint only shook things up in that it rebuilt the universe. Like nothing that actually happened in Flashpoint was a plot point in any comic after that. It was just the Flashpoint was the was the the impetus for the reboot. But in terms of like an event that the actual event that the the consequences of said event to the individual characters meant anything might be Final Crisis. Yeah. Can I uh I'm going to suggest something that maybe contradicts some stuff I've said in the past. <laughs> sure. And I, but you know, what else do we do on this show? Um after you've been doing it for how many years? How many years have we been doing this? 10? Uh 2014, 10 years, yeah. Yeah. Is this the this is the 10 year anniversary of the DC3 cast? I believe it is, yes. And, and we're going on tour. Um playing the old hits. Yeah. Um no. DC is kind of in I, I will admit that they're kind of in a a a, uh, a position where they can't win. Because um right now they don't ever want to rock the boat. Every every event that they do is about um bringing somebody back right or setting the world back to the way it was or um you know like you said they're averse to having actual consequences or stakes or risks and as much as they took flack for it in the past time and time again you really do need the events where like somebody dies or somebody actually goes i i feel like dc is doing the thing right now that the uh uh rise of the rise of uh skywalker did which is that it pretended to kill off chewbacca and then immediately in the next <laughs> scene like yes, you found yes. out that he was still alive that is that is as risky as any book at dc wants to be um, and I think it's because of all the flack they've taken in the past for being careless with their characters or whatever from people like me too, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. But we got to be honest that like without that stuff, I mean, that is the memorable stuff as the years go on, right? Like you remember yeah. when a character got taken off the board for a while and, I, I just and, say and quickly, not because uh, sorry, one second, uh, DC yeah, three yeah. started in 2013 DC three cast started in 2015. Sorry. Oh, okay. 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 So we, we were somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> On brand. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, yes, like nobody likes it when a character they like dies and gets taken off the table and then they're not written for a while. But like you are in such a stasis when you're just doing these events after events that, uh, there's no real consequences to. Um, I, I don't. I, I don't know what the solution to that is. But sorry, go ahead. No, I. I think one of the solutions is we have also been in this holding pattern for the last at least five years. I would say maybe even a little bit more of Waller being the sort of like overarching big bad in the DC universe. She's not always like front and center 
But when was the last time that there was that Lex Luthor or insert any other villain here was like the the primary antagonist of the DC universe? I just I feel like during uh the lead up to death metal like in Snyder's Justice League. Yeah. And and I got to say like as much as I like was kind of mid on death metal and and at times even Snyder's Justice League I do feel like Snyder's Justice League was like the last time where in like the DC universe felt sort of connected because you had the like you had the year of the villain even though that kind of sucked too uh but like you had <laughs> it you know like um so yeah it feels like everything after death metal has just kind of been this weird amorphous nothing burger and part of that is probably a reaction to shit like heroes in crisis which was the exact opposite. Like, you know, we are we are all saying that, you know, events don't take enough chances. I, to be fair, like, to give the devil his due there, like, Tom King swung for the fences with that. We talked about this last week, how mm-hmm. that's just what King does, right? I'm, but, I'm, I'm, like, slowly seeing the beginnings of a of a tom king resurgence on the dc3 cast no. i'm like planting the seeds of... no no i can't I, I will this. i mean we are under no circumstances do we, under no circumstances <laughs> do we have to give it to him <laughs> we don't um but i feel like again like i i think it's fair to give the devil his due and say that he does go for it right um and that's only fair to say um but just like Maybe the reason that they have to pull back on some of this is because there were there were too many events that fell under that sort of, you know, wilding out uh, era. I get that. I do. But this is an overreaction to that. Hello, denizens of Earth 1218. We are the hosts of Make Mine Multiversity, a twice monthly podcast. I'm Jaina. And I'm Elias. Make Mine Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. Each month, we get into it with long looks at the careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever. Sometimes that means we dig into all things X-Men, sometimes we do a book club for Marvel series past and present, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our heavyweight champion. Coming down by good old Skylaser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior. Excelsior indeed. All right. We should we should definitely move on at this point uh, to Power Girl number six, written by Leah Williams, illustrated by Marguerite Savage. Uh, I had either not known or forgotten that this is basically a Power Girl and Supergirl book at this point, but um, that's fine. That's a good thing, I think. Um, I am interested to hear what Vince thought of this. I think Vince is probably the first person I know who was really in on Savage's art. You were a big um, Bombshells fan, weren't you, art-wise? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So why don't you start us off? What did you think of this? Um, it was it was fun. It's 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 pretty slight. It's a pretty slight story. 
Um, but there were some fun, funny moments to it. Um, I, I like Leah Williams as a writer. I think the, the script is um, pretty pithy and fun and light. I, in a, with a story like this, like it would just kill me if this was full of a bunch of exposition. So the, the, the main point of the story is um, a bunch of uh, girls Academy students are taking a new drug that's getting passed around called Avalon. And they are, there are disappearances uh, surrounding the users of Avalon. And so um, uh, Supergirl and Power Girl and Omen are investigating these disappearances pretty like uh procedural uh easy to easy to grasp story there and what would just kill me with like some other writers is if they spent way too much exposition explaining the drug and what does or where it came from and what it exactly it does and they don't do any of that here it's so brisk in like a a, a pleasant way that it's not bogged down in an explanation of what this is. You know, they just, they basically hit the ground running. Um, so it was, it was really, it was really smooth read in that way. Now, did it blow me away? Is it, is it like appointment reading? No, it's like I said, it's a very slight story. Um, also, yeah, I'm, I'm a Marguerite Sauvage fan. However, what I will say is, um, don't think certainly certainly her work has been better in the action department i hear and actually in some other recent stories that we've read that were drawn by her i don't think the action is particularly good and interesting yeah like there's a segment in the middle of this book where you've got the the guys wearing like the 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 goofy uh smiley masks mm. that are driving the driving the van and they encounter that group and they go through kind of like a a fight scene with them and the action's very stiff There's... it was difficult to follow i thought yes. what was happening but and it kind of explains that they're messing with like gravity gravity or, but but it it yeah the way it's depicted is very weird i yeah. I don't think it's very effective. Yeah. Um, that said, outside of that sequence, I really like the art. Like, for instance, anytime they're in the the alternate dimension that the drug takes these, um, the users to Ferimbia or something like that, it's called. I think that stuff all looks great. Um, I think the character work is always strong. The design sensibility is always good with Sauvage. I just thought that middle section, I, I had to read it a couple times and I'm still not entirely certain what happened just because of how kind of like, <clears throat> and anytime you have to have a character say like what is happening to them, mm -hmm. I kind of feel like, okay, that wasn't clear enough in the art. And so I just don't know what really happened there. Yeah. Um, I, I had a similar moment with um, it wasn't an action sequence, but it was uh, when they were in the lab uh, investigating yes. the drug. S same Zach. Yes. The, the, 
the the way the, like, way the, the dialogue way the, was laid out and everything was just very strange. Yeah, and like the progression from panel to panel also didn't really like something would happen in one panel and then the follow up in the next panel didn't really line up with what was happening in the panel before. Like there's a part where Power Girl like it seems like she's like disgusted by the the little blob or whatever. Or, you know, there's like a like she seems kind of like nauseated, but then like in the next panel, she's looking in the microscope and then it, I, I don't know the whole flow. I just thought was like very, very strange. I completely agree. Uh, but the art is very pretty. It's very good. And I like how Savage changes uh, the style from the real world into the fantasy world. It kind of becomes a little bit more like, it's not like quite chibi, but like definitely more cutesy for sure. You know, oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I thought that that was all. I liked that aspect. Yeah. My least favorite part of this is that they did not take the opportunity to fully rip off the 21 Jump Street movie and do yeah. like the gigs <laughs> as a reference, because this drug is essentially the drug from 21 Jump Street. Um <laughs> Now that you say that, yeah, I did not uh, think of that, but yeah, I was waiting for Rob Riggle to show up and have his eyebrows move around his face and all that. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, no, you know, this is fine. I, uh, I like the art, like you said, Vince. I don't know if this is Savage's best work, like Zach said. I do love the sort of more innocent, cartoony world that she creates in that alternate universe versus the more realistic, you know, uh, stuff that we're getting in the main part of the book. I think the plot is fine. I like the fact that after seemingly 25 years of never being used, Omen, a.k.a. Lilith from the Teen Titans, shows up in books now every now and then. It's fun. <laughs> Specifically, um, like, these books. I, yes. I, you know, I think uh, there was the the backups. Um, yes, in action, was that? Yes. Um, you know, so that that's fine. That's all. It's all well and good. I I think that this is this is all right. My my biggest problem with having a Power Girl and Supergirl book in this format right now is that it's been so long since we've had these characters headline a book. I just wish that the book felt more connected to everything else. That's kind of like what you were saying before, Vince. Uh, in regards to the sort of overall feeling of the DC universe right now, I feel like when these books would happen in the past, you would get a little bit more of a sense of this is important to the overarching story because blank, right? And I just feel like we're, they're not even trying to do that stuff anymore. Like that Hawk Girl series that we got a little while ago that we all kind of liked. This book. These books just exist on this continuum where nothing really is going to happen. And everybody kind of knows that. And everybody's kind of okay with that. Now, this has always happened with really minor characters. And I'm trying, I'm thinking of like the the Hour Man book that came out uh you know around the time of JSA or the um yeah you know, I'll just stick with the JSA stuff even like um Stars and Stripe like a lot of that stuff always felt 
not super connected to the overall DC universe, but it felt more connected to the JSA stuff than this does the Superman stuff. Like th this is obviously a satellite book of the Superman comics, but this doesn't really feel connected to what's happening in action or Superman right now, at least not to me. And so I, it's just sort of a, a book without a country. I don't know. Does that make sense to you guys? Do you, do you disagree? No, I, you're right. Yeah, it just it just makes it a less satisfying experience. Um, but yeah. Anything else to say about this? No, I'm kind of glad we checked in on it, but I don't, I don't, you know. Yeah, think I'll be going back to it. Yeah, I I concur. Yeah, uh, Vince, what comes out next week? Next week is you're gonna get Jurgens with the Batman. First night, number one. He's not a uh, Batman. He's a bat man. He's he, he's a rock it man. <laughs> uh, rock it? Bat <laughs> burning out his fuse out here alone. <laughs> and all this science. I don't understand. No, that's all right. Um, Batman 145. Uh, the Batman Scooby-Doo Mysteries, number three. Birds of Prey, seven. Blue Beetle, seven. Neil before Zod 3, Poison Ivy 20, Shazam 9, Suicide Squad Kill, Arkham Asylum number 2, and Superman 78, The Metal Curtain number 5. That's certainly a week of comics. Um, to get the inside scoop on Zach's Tom King read-through, go to DC3Cast.com, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Goodbye. Zeta? I'm riding a Zeta.